If you have a copy of the Bible, I invite you to open to Luke chapter 9. That's going to be the scripture that we're going to be in this morning, Luke chapter 9. Uh, if you're with us online, we welcome you. We praise God for you. We thank you for worshiping with us wherever you are, uh, at your home or wherever it may be. We're glad that you're here. And we're glad that you're here as well if you're here in person. We praise God uh, that you're worshiping with us. If you're a guest, wow, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we, we know life is a little bit different these days, but what we're committed to doing, uh, whether we're pre-COVID, in the middle of COVID, or after COVID, is to make sure that you feel welcomed and that you feel loved. So whether you're in the room or you're online, uh, we, we certainly want you to feel that way. Luke chapter 9, if you're new to the Bible, that's going to be in the New Testament, which is on the further right-hand side. If you don't have a Bible and you're here today in the room, we'd love to give you one. There's some in the back uh, on the bookcase. We believe that the greatest gift that we could invest in you is the gift of the Word of God. That's a great investment into people's lives. And if you're uh, online and you don't have a copy of the Bible or if you're here, uh, what you can do is you can download it on your phone. We have these super smartphones these days, and you can put the copy of the Bible uh, there on your phone so that you have it, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 9 today. Luke chapter 9. You know, I grew up in the pine trees of North Louisiana. Now, probably I'm the only one in the room here that grew up uh, in the pine trees of North Louisiana, but you probably had an experience similar to this one. Uh, I loved to, uh, to hunt with my dad, and we would go hunting. And maybe you say, no, I don't love hunting, Zach. You should be ashamed for doing all that. Okay, but hear me out. All right, don't disengage just yet because I, I want to tell you a story about hunting. Now, uh, I never knew where I was as a five, six, seven, eight, nine year old young man. I would go hunting with my dad. I had no idea where I was. Uh, you know, we would walk out into the woods, and what I learned from hunting is that you always put your heel down first and you put your toes down so you can be very quiet. You go like this. And I would be working on this. I would be literally looking at my feet. And uh, where I could see my dad in front of me. And we're going. And every now and then, he would turn to me and he would say, do you know where we are? And I'm thinking, I have no idea. We're just in the woods. We're in Louisiana, right? I mean, that's all I knew that we are. But you know, I don't think I ever knew where we were at. And yet, I was never afraid I always had confidence, and I never was nervous or filled with anxiety because I knew all I had to do was follow my dad. Wherever I was supposed to get, I would get. And when it was time to come home, I would get home. Did I know where I was? No. Did I know what was coming next? No. But I just had to follow my dad. And you know, that is the reason that we're doing this series, The Essentials of Following Jesus, is because we have to get to a point in our life where we step out of the theoretical into the everyday life, and we learn that all we have to do is learn how to follow him. Do, do we always know where we're at? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Do we always know what the next step is going to be or what the next thing is going to be? No, we don't. And we can be connected to the God of all the universe. 
and still not know everything that we want to know about our life. But that's okay. Because as long as I was hunting in the woods and all, as long as I was following my dad, that's all it took. And, and I know that following Jesus sometimes can be complicated. And we're talking about a series about what does it mean to follow him. And last week we talked about what does it mean to deny ourselves. And today we're talking about what does it mean to take up our cross. So I know that there's some deep conversations. And, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do want to simplify it. Guys, this is, this is it. Our, our goal is to help everybody here just learn how to follow the Lord through the forest of life, maybe not knowing what's next, maybe not exactly knowing where we are, but as long as we're following the Lord, we can do it with confidence. We don't have to fear. We can be filled with this joy in the journey. And Jesus talks to his disciples about that in Luke chapter 9. That's why I asked you to turn there this morning. We're going to be looking at that scripture again. You may be looking at that going, wait a second, didn't we study this last week? Well, yes and no. Uh, We did look at Luke chapter 9 because that's the place where Jesus speaks directly to his disciples about what it means to be a follower of Christ. However, we studied last week the phrase, Deny yourself. This week we're studying a different phrase. So this is what the word of God says in Luke chapter 9. And I'm just, uh, I'm going to read verse 23. That's the one that we're going to be focused on this morning. It says, and Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. That was from last week. Uh, Here's our phrase for this week. And take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the scripture that we're studying this morning. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Lord Jesus, as we, um, as we consider your word this morning, we open our hearts and we yield to you. And we, we, we say, Lord, we trust you this morning. We're asking you to guide our minds and our hearts as we think about this incredibly interesting yet difficult statement, take up our cross daily. Lord, I pray that by your graciousness, by the work of your spirit, and by the power of your word, you would remove uh, confusion so that with incredible clarity, we can understand what it is that you were saying to those disciples when you spoke this to them so long ago. And as you speak it to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your notes, you see we're gonna do a couple of things this morning. The first thing that we're gonna do is ask the question, what does it mean when we talk about Jesus saying to his disciples, take up your cross daily? Okay, what does that mean? We want to understand what that means. And then we want to ask the question, why? Why is it that this is what we do? Why is it that this is something that we uh, need to do? And why is it that it's so important? And then you see the last thing we're going to talk about is in your everyday life. How does this work out? If you're new to the fellowship, one of the things that you'll learn pretty quickly is that we love taking really important theological ideas 
and understanding them in such a way that we can actually live them out. Because we believe that's where life change actually happens, is in the home life, at your job, at your school, if you're a young person and you're in school. We believe that the, the spiritual moments of life don't just necessarily happen here in this building, but we learn what it means to be faithful to Christ so that when we leave here and go into the world, we can take what we've learned and really put it into practice. So we value a balance between understanding these theological things that are in the Bible and practicing them in our everyday life. So let's do that this morning. Jesus says something very powerful to his disciples. He said, listen, if anyone, now that's you and I, if anyone is going to come after me, which means to be a follower of Jesus, then two things are going to have to happen. First, they're going to have to deny themselves. We talked last week about what that meant, and we basically said uh, it is consistently and personally rejecting any urge or thought or desire that places myself as the master of my life. So denying myself is to deny myself the Lord or the master of my life so that Jesus can be the master and the Lord of my life. He's not only my Savior, He's my Lord. And so that's what we're mean when we say deny ourselves, but here we are at taking up our cross. What exactly does taking up our cross mean? Well, if you understand and if you were to go and study everything that Jesus said to his disciples and study the life of Jesus and, and the way that he took up his cross, and then if you were to go and look at all of the apostles and disciples and church leaders throughout the New Testament, and you put all that together, and you put it in a blender and mixed it up to get a definition of what does it mean to take up our cross, you would come up with a definition, something like this. Taking up your cross is to daily be prepared for radical abuse because of your allegiance to Jesus. Now, that's a mouthful. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, that probably isn't something that you were thinking about you would be hearing in church today. You know, oftentimes we come to church to hear these inspiring, uplifting, you can do it type of sermons. And here we are talking about radical abuse and not just being ready for it every now and then, but being daily ready for radical abuse. What is that about? Well, let's take it phrase by phrase, word by word. First of all, Jesus says that you're to take up your cross daily, daily. What does that mean? That means that taking up our cross isn't something that happens occasionally. It needs to be something that we get good at doing over and over and over again. You see, in the kingdom of God, we practice a lot. And the reason that we practice a lot is because we fail a lot. And some of us, we struggle when we don't get it perfect the first time. I want to encourage you today by, by seeing that, for, that word daily. Every single day, you get a new shot at getting it right. You get a new shot at living the way that it is that God wants for you to live. And so this is something that we do daily. We are to daily be prepared. Here's the phrase that's difficult for radical abuse. You may be looking at that going, what? Well, let me explain what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He says, take up your cross 
Now, we don't think about that very often. I mean, we see crosses on necklaces, don't we? We see them on churches, and we see them as religious ornaments, mostly for today's world. But I have to help you to understand something this morning. When Jesus spoke this phrase, he wasn't talking about religious ornaments. You see, the cross was the most painful, degrading, horrific form of public execution that was possible in the day that he was living. And whereas we look at the cross today, and we look at it as a religiously significant ornament, which is rightfully so. Jesus was crucified on the cross. So if you're wearing a cross today, don't, you know, don't start tucking it in. I'm not saying do that. No, but, but if it was in the life of Jesus, it would, like, it would be like walking around with an electric chair. Because it, it, was this, it was this sign of public execution. And so when you see the phrase that we have to daily be prepared for radical abuse because of our allegiance to Jesus, there's no way to sugarcoat that. There's no way to teach around that. There's no way not to address that. I just have to tell you that Jesus is saying you have to be prepared to take up your cross daily. Now, the reason it says to take up your cross is in those days, if you or I were found guilty of a crime that was to be punishable by death, and you or I were sentenced to die by crucifixion of the cross, we would have to pick up our own cross and carry it to the place of execution. That would be our job. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross, take up your cross and follow me. What's he saying? He's saying you have to be daily prepared to face incredible persecution because of your allegiance to me. Now, uh, radical abuse for some seems rather specific. For some of us in here this morning, it may not seem specific at all. In fact, you may be looking at that going, well, everybody has like these different tolerances of pain. So abuse for one may not be abuse for another. For instance, have you ever been paper cut? Like some people would rather have their hand cut off than be paper cut. I just hate paper cuts. And I may be way out in left field right now, but some of you are tough people. And if you get paper cut, you just look at it and you just kind of brush it off and go on. Like my whole day comes to a screeching halt when I get paper cut. Are you ever stump your toe in the middle of the night? Oh, I don't even like thinking about that, you know? Like you're walking to the restroom or something and you hit your foot and you're just praising God, right? And so for some of you, that, that feels like that would be abuse. But for others, it, that wouldn't be because you're stronger than I am. You're tougher than I am. Yeah, I'm being humorous, but what I do want to do is for us to think about ourselves. Me think about my life and you think about your life. 
and wrestle a little internally with what price am I willing to pay for my allegiance to Jesus? In fact, there's going to be some up on the screen. I just want for us to talk through these uh, thought, speech, hardship, violence, death. These are different um, levels, shall we say, of persecution. You know, the first one is thought because for some of us, the idea that somebody would think poorly of me if they found out that I was a follower of Jesus would cause some of us to kind of cower away from being bold, being public in our faith for whether you're at school or whether you're at work or whether you stay at home, whatever it is that you do throughout the week, the idea that someone would think negatively of of you or me because of our commitment to Jesus causes us to cower away from going public, from being counted as a follower of Jesus uh, in our culture and in our time. Now, I'm I'm not saying that that's a positive thing. I I would say to you it's a negative thing if that's where we're at. But I I do want to be fair and say that some of us are at that level of struggle. We would feel abused if somebody thought negatively of us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Some of us are a little bit bolder in our faith, and and we would say, I don't care if somebody thinks negatively of me, but, but if somebody speaks to me mean because of my faith in Christ, well, that'll shut me down. That'll really stop me from talking about the Lord, or that'll really stop me from being a a witness for Jesus Christ. If somebody says something mean, somebody says, you're a Christian? Oh, you must be an idiot. That may seem a little inappropriate to say. It would be. And if that's never been said to you, praise God. But do you know that the young people that are sitting in this room today, or for those of you who are online, the young people, they'll be told that at some point in their life because of their faith in Christ. They'll be ridiculed. They'll be verbally assaulted because they choose to identify themselves with Christ. And maybe that's the threshold of abuse that you're willing to tolerate. But then you go to hardship. How much of a hardship are you willing to endure to live out the Christian faith? That's an interesting question for such a time as this, isn't it? And maybe it's beyond verbal attacks. Maybe it's people making your life difficult at your job or at your school because you decide to align and follow Jesus. Or maybe it's laws that a state or federal government passes that makes it hard for believers to live out their faith. You see, there's a different threshold of comfortableness. It goes on to violence. And, you know, the interesting thing is that these last two, violence and death, they seem so foreign to us, don't they? I mean, I've been here, I've been at the fellowship for a year and nine months now. And I've preached on this platform, well, I don't know how many times, a lot of times. And not once did I ever get nervous and start watching the back of the building for for people to rush in and arrest us and, and assault us and beat us because we're followers of Jesus. And yet, that happens in 2020 every single Sunday somewhere. 
Did you know that? Did you know that today somebody will be physically attacked because they belong to Jesus? Did you know that this week somebody will give up their life because they would rather die than to um, separate themselves from Christ and to deny him. And so this is really big, really important things that we're talking about this morning when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. Remember, the cross is a signal for death. And that's what's so arresting about what Jesus says. He goes all the way to the most extreme of extreme. He's talking about death. Let, if you're going to follow me, let yourself be ready daily to pay the ultimate price for being aligned with who I am. That's what it means to take up your cross. And it is difficult, I understand, for us to comprehend that because we live in the land that we live in. But it still happens today. And even though the likelihood of this week, you having to choose between aligning yourself with Jesus and life, uh, although the likelihood of that is small, yet Jesus still says, take up your cross, meaning be prepared for it to come, should it come. And so this morning, we've really worked hard to talk about what it is that Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross. And the reason for that is because the cross is, not a, uh, is no longer a way that people are executed. And, and when we look at the cross, we think of it in spiritual slash religious terms and not necessarily like we would look at the electric chair or the gurney that people receive uh, the lethal injection for when they're uh, sentenced to die. And so the way that we think about the cross has shifted over the years, but we have to remember that when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's not saying, put your necklace on that's got the cross. He's saying, get ready to be prepared to pay the ultimate price for your faith. That's how serious you have to be about your faith if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Deny yourself, take up your cross. And the next question is why? And you see there are two questions there under that idea of why. The first question is, why is this what I turn to when I turn away from myself? Remember that this phrase is not separate in a vacuum by itself. It's following Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. So I have to turn away from myself. And when I turn away from myself, I'm turning to something, aren't I? Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus had said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and put on his crown. That's not what he said. Wouldn't it be different this morning as you're listening to this message if Jesus would have said, anyone who wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the life of comfort and ease. But that's not what he said. Why is it that this is what I turn to when I turn away from myself? Well, I'm going to answer that in two ways. One, because this is the way of Jesus. He left heaven and came to earth. 
And he was the king of kings and he was the Lord of lords. He was the creator of all things. He was the firstborn of all creation. He was the sovereign God over all the world. Everything was made by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. And not only was Jesus present at creation, but everything is sustained in creation by his will and power. And yet this is his story. That he left heaven and came to earth and he didn't put on his crown and he didn't take up the life of comfort and ease. He spent his life serving and he quite literally carried his own cross. And so we ask the question, why is this what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Well, because this was the way of Jesus. But there's another way to answer that question. The reason that we have to be ready for this is because as people who are followers of Jesus, the Bible says, this isn't Pastor Zach's thought, this is what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches that if we are connected to God through Jesus, then we are the light of the world. We represent God to the broken world. Now, that's a fantastic thought. I can go into the world and God and his love and his truth can just flow through me, show the world the way, show the world God's way, God's righteousness, God's love. But I have to tell you something. The world doesn't always want that. Do you know that? Uh, Let me say it this way. Have you ever gotten mad at somebody because they turned the light on when you were asleep? Has that ever happened to you? One? Come on, people. Yeah, this has happened. Maybe you're on a spiritual retreat. You're in your bunkhouse. You're having a great weekend. Oh, the time of worship has just been magnificent. Your time in prayer has been life-changing. Your time in the Word has been just moving. And uh, you're just resting in the Lord. You're dreaming about heavenly things. And somebody comes in your bunk and turns the light on. And you switch on them like that. And you're no longer thinking heavenly things, right? You're angry. I mean, at the top of your spiritual peak of the weekend, you can automatically get angry because somebody turns the light on you. How many marital fights has happened because somebody turned the light on while the other person was trying to sleep? How many sibling rivalries have popped up because somebody turns the light on? See, here's the thing. You can go from saint to mad warrior in like half of a second when somebody just flips the light on. Why? Because you're not ready for it. And you're not longing for it. And the thing that you want is for the light to be off. And when somebody turns it on, it offends you. Yes, you get angry at that person. It doesn't matter why they turn the light on. They may need to find their shoes. They may need to find their Bible. They may be turning it on to tell you that you're running 30 minutes late. You don't care. All you know is you are angry because someone turned on the light. 
And so it is true in our culture. When we take the light of the world to a dark place, they respond with offense and anger. And it doesn't matter why you've brought the light. They want it dark. In fact, Jesus says this to his disciples. If you're making notes, this is John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Jesus actually takes the time to explain this to his disciples because it is coming just as clear as day for them. Here's what he says to them. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. I want to be careful that I don't speak in such a way that it it feels like this Christian arrogance We're better than everybody because we're not. May I say that? We're not. We are simply people who are broken that Jesus has put back together. And he sent us back out into the world to tell everybody how great God has been in our life. So please don't hear Christian arrogance. We are no better than the next person. But when we go into the world to turn the light switch on, that is when the world gets aggressive. Jesus says to his disciples, they'll hate you because they hated me. They'll treat you this way because they treated me this way. So the question this morning of why is it that I turn away from myself in denial and embrace this, well, it's twofold. Number one, because that's the way of Jesus. Number two, because when the light goes into the darkness, those in darkness don't want the light switch turned on. And so they think negatively, they speak negatively, they act negatively. And in some places, even violence is committed. So that, that's the first why question. Why is it that this is what I turn to for myself? The second question is, why is this what I'm drawn towards? Because it may be this morning as you're listening to this message, you're thinking to yourself, this is not a positive message, but yet I'm so drawn to it. This sounds so hard to hear, and yet I'm mesmerized by it. This sounds so difficult to do, and yet this is what I want to do because I want to follow Jesus. Why is that? I want to explain to you why you might be drawn towards this life in Christ. The first is, when we take up our cross to follow Jesus... It creates this incredible fellowship or bond with Christ himself. Now, I want to be careful when I say that because I don't want to give the impression that God loves you more when you take up your cross. God loves you infinitely right now. There's no action that you could do today or yesterday or tomorrow that will cause God to love you more or to love you less. I'm not saying that. But there's this beautiful fellowship with the Lord himself when we've taken up our cross and we're identifying with Christ 
even in suffering. If you're making notes, Philippians chapter 3, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says something amazing. He says, I want to share in the fellowship of suffering with Christ. That's Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, if you want to go back and look at it. You see, Paul understood that even in his suffering for being a follower of Jesus, there was this fellowship, there was this bond, there was this communion between he and the Lord. And it's, it's, it's almost impossible to explain it, but if you have suffered for being a follower of Christ, you understand exactly what I'm saying to you today. One of the reasons that this is appealing to people is because we long to have a deep and rich and meaningful fellowship with God himself. And when we are taking up our cross daily, we have that. Now, a second reason that this is something that I'm drawn to and, and hopefully you are as well is because of personal transformation. When I'm taking up my cross daily, I am being changed daily according to the will and power of God. James chapter 1, Paul begins writing, uh, excuse me, James begins writing in James chapter 1, and he says something that's like counterintuitive. He says something that's countercultural. He says something that on face value, it just doesn't even seem possible to do. He says this, count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face various trials. And he goes on to explain why. Because as you face these trials, as you face these difficulties, what happens is that God uses these trials and difficulties to transform your life. And the same is true for taking up our cross. When we face these challenges on a daily basis, God uses them to transform our lives, to be more Christ-like, to be who it is that God desires for us to be. So reasons that this life of taking up our cross may be attractive to us. Number one has to do with our fellowship with Jesus. Number two has to do with our own personal transformation. Number three is because when we are living this life, we have a meaningful impact in the world And I believe that everybody who's listening, who's here today, who took the time to show up or you took the time to tune in online, you're here today because you want your life to count for something. You don't want your life to be wasted. You want it to be filled with purpose and meaning and you want the world to be different because you existed. When you're taking up your cross daily, you are making a meaningful impact in the world. And here's how I know that. Because the spiritually hungry people who are around you, who see you, whether it's at your job, or whether it's on your street, or whether it's at your school, when they see a human being take seriously their discipleship and them following Christ, you know what that says to them? That says to them one day when they get hungry for the things of God, this is what it says to them, I can go to that person. 
Because I've seen that person take their faith seriously. I have seen that person walk through hard times and still say they love Jesus. I have seen that person be ridiculed for their faith and then turn around and bless the person that's ridiculing them. You see, when those types of things happen, you set yourself up as a lighthouse. The love and the character and the integrity that God has put in you shines out for everyone to see. So a week or a month or a year or 10 years later, that person reaches out to you and says, you know, I've really been thinking about faith lately. And I remember back when. And they talk about a time in which you picked up your cross daily. So why is this life attractive? Not because it's easy, but because it transforms your life and the world around you. The last reason is this. Because of the future, because of the glorious future that is ahead for those who will take up their cross. I want to share with you two scriptures this morning before we close our time together. The first is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to share it with you because I think that it says way better than I could say what it is that uh, is appealing. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 and 18. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, trying to encourage them, trying to cheer for them to continue following Jesus and be strong in the faith. And this is what he says to them. He says, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's really what I'm trying to say this morning, is that when we're carrying our cross, it's true that outwardly we may be wasting away. Our physical bodies may be breaking down, may even be attacked, but inwardly we're being renewed For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I'm going to read that to you again. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, you may listen to that, or if you turn there, you may be reading that and go, yeah, but Pastor Zach, that's not radical abuse. Paul says that's light, momentary affliction. Let me tell you something about the guy who wrote this verse. He was literally beaten for his faith. People literally took their fists and they struck him because he was a follower of Jesus. They took clubs and they beat his body because he was a follower of Jesus. He was beaten and assaulted and brutalized because of his faith in Christ. He took up his cross. And he gets on the other side of the abuse. And you know what he says about it? It is a light and momentary affliction. How about that? 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Romans chapter 8, the same person Paul is writing to another church at Rome. And he says this, I consider, this is Romans chapter 8 verse 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, the stuff that happens when we pick up our cross daily, our present sufferings. Paul says, I consider, which means he stopped to think about this. He's not just shooting from the hip. He's not just talking out of his head. He says, I consider, I have thought about this and here's my conclusion. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Am I saying it's easy? No. What I'm saying, it's worth it. Because here's a person who's picked up his cross and he's faced the things that we shudder about when we see them on the screen, violence and hardships, and he faced it. And he says, it's not even worth comparing it to what is coming in glory. May I say to you that taking up your cross can be intimidating. I understand. I wish that I could tell you that I face no fear ever in picking up my own cross. But I identify with you here today if you're thinking to yourself, this sounds like a hard thing to do. Listen to me. That's because it is. It can be hard, but it's worth it. Now, the last question is, how does this apply to my everyday life? And I would just say to you this. This morning, we, we had three questions. I answered two of them. This question is for you to answer. I've answered what it means to take up your cross. I've answered why this is important and why it is that we take up our cross when we deny ourselves. But that last question I think it's best for you to answer it. Because you know where you're at. You know the things that you're facing. You know the spots in your life where you have a hard time taking up your cross and being public and bold in your faith. You know that better than I do. What I've tried to do today is to help you understand what Jesus was saying to the disciples and encourage you that although it may be difficult, there's lots of reasons that this is a good thing. But now it's up to you to decide to take what you've learned and actually take up your cross. So I want to close just with a moment of prayer. If you don't mind, would you stand with me? And would you bow as we get ready to pray this morning? And the way that I would like for us to close our time is for you, with all of your creative energy, to try to think about tomorrow. Think about Monday. Think about where you go on Monday. Would you do that? Would you just picture yourself in Monday? 
What is your regular place? What do you regularly do on Monday? What are the regular conversations that you have on Monday? And now that you have situated yourself, thought about what Monday looks like, I want to ask you this question. On Monday, how can you take up your cross? Is there an area of your life that needs to take up the cross more, better, deeper? If taking up the cross is something that you are willing to commit to the Lord to doing, denying yourself, taking up the cross, I want to just give you a space just to say that to the Lord. Would you take a moment? Come before God. with him, be with him, commit to him, to taking up that cross. Father, it is interesting the way that your spirit works in our lives, and even as we come to full comprehension of what it means when you say take up your cross we get more and more excited about that as we think about what will come from that we confess to you that we have the habit of loving comfort over faithfulness and longing for an easy life over a holy life and so we ask Boldly that you would chase that desire from us and that we would be steadfast and faithful to take up our cross, to be daily prepared for abuse because of our allegiance to you. Help us to be that church. Help us to be those people because in and through those people, Lord, we believe the gospel flourishes and that's what we're hungry for. So we pray these things and we make this commitment to you actually in your own name, the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen.